the best return on investment you'll ever get is investing in yourself. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't, I don't fault the university system for being what it is. Um, I, I just like to see it for what it is. It's a business and they're in it to make as much money as possible. Like that's America, that's capitalism. But it, like most people don't have to go to school. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design the life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's gonna help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. everybody welcome back to the rich mind podcast and today i have another super fantastic guest i'm super excited about this conversation we were just talking just a few minutes ago before we jumped and hit record here and just the amount of wisdom that he has to share the stories it's just going to be a fantastic conversation so today i've got with us jordy clark jordy is from salt lake city utah uh he is a successful husband he is a father of two awesome little kids you should see the images they're just they're cool. It's a lot of fun to watch you raising those kids. A lot of fun. He's also a realtor. He's a real estate investor. And we'll talk about uh, his real estate background as far as being a realtor and a uh, real estate investor as well. But he's a mentor to many. So he helps people as well, which is another reason why I'm super excited about this conversation. He's always trying, trying to pour into others some wisdom, some ideas, tips, tricks, everything we stand for here on the podcast. And he's also a fellow podcaster, and we'll give him an opportunity to kind of talk about his podcast here towards the end. But for now, Jordy Clark, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks, Randy. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you. So let's uh, give everybody just a few minutes, just to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, kind of where you're from. I kind of mentioned that you're from Salt Lake City and married and kids and all that good stuff, but can you add a little color to that? Yeah. So um, I, I actually just want to add in, we popped out a third baby a couple months ago. Uh, so yeah, I, the, the bio that I have, I, I need to update that, but yeah, we've got three kids now, uh, almost an eight year old, a three year old and a seven month old. So life is busy. Um, I'm, you know, in my early thirties, I feel like I'm just getting going. Um, yeah. And just, uh, I mean, if we if we take a step back, uh, when I was you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, the, the story that I was I was told, uh, you know, in order to be successful in this life was, hey, you got to go get good grades so you can go to a good college so you can you know get a good job, make good money, and like that was kind of the path that uh, everyone around me, my parents, my teachers, friends, everyone had kind of told me like, hey, this is what you have to do in life, and I was like, okay. Um, and I, uh, I, I started going, Hey, well, you know, I want to make a bunch of money. I, I want to be able to provide for my family. Uh, you know, growing up, I grew up middle-class. My dad's a general contractor. My mom's a nurse, so nothing really special. Um, they, they provided a very safe, good environment for me. Um, and you know, as as time kind of went on, I was like, hey, my mom's a nurse. I see all these doctors making money. You can make a ton of money as a doctor. I'm going to go be an orthopedic surgeon. Okay, so uh, I started going to school. 
I got my generals done at a local community college and I transferred up to Utah State University, played rugby there, flunked out of all of the, well, not flunked. I got like D's, okay, D's and C's. Um, but I was just like in biology and physiology and all these classes that they're like, hey, if you're not getting like 99th percentile, like good luck in medical school, you'll never make it. Um, and I've, I've, the way my mind works is interesting. Um, and we can get into that a little bit later, but some people call it ADHD, but, um, I, I just think I have a different skill set than other people. Um, so I, I, I was struggling like, man, I really want to go because like, you know, this is what success has been defined for me. And, uh, I, I was failing or, you know, at least not getting the grades I needed to, to be able to get into a good medical school. Um, and at the time, you know, based on some religious undertones I've had in my life, my parents were like, Hey, there's this opportunity that you can go take two years off of school and kind of give back to the community. We're Christian. So, you know, they were like, Hey, you could go on this mission and we'll pay for it. And up until that point, they were like, Hey, we're not going to pay for anything. You're on your own, which I'm grateful they did. Um, you know, my first company I owned, I was mowing lawns when I was 15 and, uh, I was raking it in, making like 1500 bucks a month as a 15 year old. Um, it was hard work though. Right. So anyways, I've never been afraid of hard work. Um, so I was like, you know what, like maybe this would be good. I was 20, almost 20 at the time where I was like, Hey, I'm going to take a step back. Like I'm, I'm a pretty high charging individual. I'm going to kind of evaluate what I want to do with my life. So I took the opportunity to go do this uh, religious mission for two years, and I I lived in um, the north part of Chile is where I was assigned to. So I got to speak fluent Spanish, um, and you know we helped out a lot of people in the community and in the church organization, and uh, it was very interesting, right? And the way that they have that structured, they had a leader who uh, you know he's he was older, he's in his sixties, very successful in life. And he's a real estate guy. And uh, just kind of how the whole mission was structured, I, I got the opportunity to serve maybe higher up. Um, and I actually kind of became, you know, maybe one of the leaders in, in, the, in the mission and uh, was able to direct more of the flow of the mission, if that makes sense, versus like just being the one knocking on doors, talking to people about Jesus Christ. So, um yeah, that was interesting because I learned a lot from him and I got back um, and then, you know, I ended up marrying Courtney, uh, who we I met before my mission. Um, and, you know, we had kind of emailed and chatted back and forth a little bit for the second half of, of those two years. Um, so any, anyways, we ended up getting married and I got a job working in a bank. Um, it was actually a bank I used to bank with as a teller. Uh, and I was a laborer because that's kind of all I knew was construction. So I got a job as a laborer working like six hours a day and then, you know, like three days a week. And then three days a week, I was working at a bank as a teller. Well, we live in Utah. We get this white, heavy, fluffy stuff called snow sometimes. And I was shoveling basements, you know, eight inches of snow. It'd snow overnight, eight inches. And I'd have to go and shovel, uh, you know, a thousand square feet of snow times eight inches out of an eight foot, nine foot basement. And wow. it was just hard work. And I was like, man, this really sucks. I, I enjoy being at this bank because I don't have to do this. So 
uh, I gave my notice at the at the builder and I said, hey, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I'm going to go do something else. So I kind of grew into a loan officer there and I, I started seeing them make all these loans. And I'm like, guys, why aren't you doing more mortgages? And they're like, no, 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 we, we don't do mortgages. We we only focus on this little box. And I was like, OK, whatever. Um, so I kind of got bored of the uh, bureaucracy at the bank. Um, and went and I was a valet at Grand America, which is a probably the nicest uh, hotel we have in Salt Lake or one of the nicest now. And, you know, that was interesting, too, because being a valet, like I'd see all these people pull up in these really nice cars. And it was interesting that some would be really good tippers and some wouldn't. And at the same time, I had. Uh, she was essentially like a mother in law to me, um, like a mother to my my wife. And she was like, hey, you should get your real estate license because I'm buying all these real estate deals. And it was at the same time that I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, from one of my other mentors. He told me to read this. And I was like, okay, got my real estate license, quit the bank. I was doing valet. I was going to school at night because I was like, hey, I'm going to go get my business degree. And because uh, again, like that's the path that I was told you had to go on to be successful. Um, and I was like, you know, I'll, I'll get this business degree and I'll go out and make make some good money. And um, I was going to school at night. We had just had our first daughter and I was valeting during the day. And I had my real estate license. So, you know, I was helping people like kind of on the side and all over the place. It was a very busy time. Um, and I, I was looking around and all the valets, they were happy making 50, 55 grand a year in cash tips right? It's a good living. Um, they were comfortable. They got to see all the NBA teams come in and, you know, they made a few bucks when they came in. And, uh, then on this other side, I was looking at all of my classmates. Um, I was eight classes away from a bachelor's degree in business with a minor in finance. And all these people are just super excited. They're getting job offers. You know, this is 2014. And they're getting job offers and they're like, I just got a job offer making 55 grand a year. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me do some quick math. It's costing me 10 grand a semester. It's costing me my nights. I'm missing my daughter who was uh, a year old. And I'm already making valeting what you guys are making. But then I also had the real estate thing going, right? Where like I was selling, that, that was my first year I had sold real estate and I'd sold about 18 houses hmm. and I made six figures and we spent six figures, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But like, I was like, why am I going to go to school to make 50 grand? It's going to cost me, you know, another 30, 40 grand to get my degree just to make 50 grand. When I've already got these two jobs where I'm making that in both of them. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a semester off. And at the time, the the real estate team I had joined, they were like, hey, you can't be doing all this stuff. Like, just focus on one thing. So I was like, I'm going to take a year and I'm going to focus on real estate. So I quit the valet, which was super scary because it was very consistent. It was cash. I always had a ton of cash. Um, and I was like, I guess I'm going to figure this real estate thing out. And uh, yeah, I haven't looked back since because I've never made less than 
multiple six figures every year as a real estate agent. And then I also, funny story, I got my license because I was like, hey, I'm going to buy rental properties and save 3%, right? <laughs> For everyone that's listening, I just air quoted save 3%. <laughs> because I, I thought like, that's what you had to do, right? You had to get your real estate license if you wanted to buy real estate and invest in real estate. And so, you know, long story short, um, we fast forward and my, me and my team, um, we've got about five other people on my team. Uh, we've brokered over 800 homes in the greater Salt Lake area in the last nine years, um, which the average agent sells about three houses a year. So we're very good at what we do. We focus a lot with investors and I flip uh, about 70 properties, um, made multiple seven figures flipping houses. And I've also bought, I own currently today, 51 rental properties, uh, which, you know, I, I count doors. People are in different places in the country. That means something different. So uh, just to give people an idea, our, our portfolio value is about 14, 15 million. Um, we bring about 60,000 a month in gross rents in. Um, and we've been able just to scale as the last few years have gone. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. And I, I just enjoy being outside, um, pretty physically active. I got three little kids, so I never sleep at night. And uh, <laughs> yeah, life is fun, man. I'm enjoying the journey. I want to apologize up front about the, the third one. I knew that. I just didn't, it just didn't click in my brain. I I mean, we were, that's where we met, right? You had the third one with you. So yeah, I knew that. So I apologize up front to you and your wife, because I know that little ones can be a, definitely a challenge. So I appreciate all that, that, that context and all that. That's fantastic. Can we put a little bit of a time this, as of this recording, we're at the very first of April, 2023. You had mentioned you threw out the date 2014. Or so is when you went. I believe you said you got your real estate license about that time frame, just just to help folks try, try to get their mind wrapped around with like amount of time that it's taken, uh, age time frame, right? I, your story about the college is very similar to mine. I was going to school at night trying to get my. I was a. I was very close to becoming a senior in college, going for my bachelor's in business because I thought that I also thought that that was the way that I needed to do. And then I had the epiphany. I don't need to do all this to go operate a business. If I want to operate somebody else's business, maybe so, but not my own. So that part of your story 100% resonates with me as well. I look forward to actually digging into that conversation and then kind of picking your brain, uh, whether it's offline or, or not. But can you give everybody a little bit of context from like your age, from when you decided like that moment when you decided you weren't going to do the real estate or excuse me, do the uh, the typical route, right? The school, the job, and then to where you are today. Can you get just a little bit of time frame there? Yeah. So I, I believe it was like late 2014, early 2015, because I got my real estate license in 2014. Uh, that was a year after we got married and we got married in 2013. And yeah, so that's when I had decided to go like full time as a real tour, right? Um, which is different from a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, we can get into that if you want later on. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was about 2015. Um, we bought our first rental property in 2015. Uh, we bought our first owner occupied property in 2015. And then I didn't buy another rental until 2019. 
I'm so yeah, no, I, w- I was at Keller Williams at the time and um, Gary Keller wasn't wrong. He was just early and he, he was just telling everyone like, Hey, market's going to shift. It's going to change 10 year cycle in real estate's pretty normal. And you know, 2006, seven, like we're going to see it. Right. Um, and so I was just like, Hey, I'm, you know, like most people, I was like, I'm not going to buy a rental at the top of the market. Cause I'm smarter than that. Where like, I literally was selling houses to other investors at the time. These houses were like, we'd sell them for 150,000 bucks. No, no, no. That that was maybe a year earlier or later. I remember when I first started, there were these little three bed, one and a half bath houses. They're great rental properties. And this is in 2014. I'd sell one for like 70, 80,000 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then I remember specifically telling an investor, no, 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 don't buy this one for 85 because I just sold the one down the street for 75, like a better deal will come. Well, those houses today are selling for 399. Holy cow. Yeah. I wasn't expecting you to say that. Yeah. Wow. So like, would it really have mattered if they overpaid by 5,000 bucks? <laughs> In hindsight, no, huh? No. Right. Yeah. So, wow. uh, yeah, like it just, it's been an interesting ride. Well, we maybe we'll dig into the kind of the state of the uh, economy. And, and I know every market's different. So your market's going to be different than mine. Then maybe the listener that's out there listening now, but maybe we kind of get your opinion on kind of what you're seeing today. Because I know a lot of those same conversations are still going on here in 2023, trying to figure out where everything is headed or not headed. Everybody has an opinion. It's just a matter of digging into that. But yep. before we get to that point, let's get to the three, three questions real quick. Let's Perfect. get through those. Let's help people get to know you a little bit better. And the first question is, who's had the biggest influence on your life, Jordy? Man, I don't know how to answer this one with just one person. I'm going to say my wife has had the biggest influence in my life. Um, because like when when things aren't right at home, nothing's right. Versus like when I work on our marriage and I'm intentional about showing up and uh, plugging in and being connected and present, everything's good. And, you know, we can go and achieve far greater things than I ever thought. So, um, and she's, she's taught me a lot too in the last 10 years. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney, if you're listening, you're awesome. We got that recording. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I agree, man. Uh, the spouse at home, right? My wife has been a huge influence on me as well. So I truly, truly appreciate that answer. So what has been the greatest challenge in your life and what have you learned from it? That's a good question. You know, um, the the biggest challenge for me has been just learning how to cancel out all of the noise and figure out what I want to do and go for it, right? Because uh, like kind of going back to my story earlier, in 2016, I sold a rental for 185000 bucks because I thought we were at the top of the market. And then, you know, that, that house today is probably worth 350, 400, somewhere in there. And it'd be renting for a lot more. And I was so focused on, I thought the market was going to collapse again that, you know, I didn't maybe do my own research and figure out like, Hey, what do I think is going to happen? So now, and, and I'm still working on it because now, you know, we're 2023, I'm in the Salt Lake market. We're, we are a growth market. We experienced a huge COVID boom from people coming from other states. 
Um, if you've ever been to Salt Lake, we have very limited geography that we can continue to expand houses. So as a part of that, like basic supply demand, we're having higher growth as far as rents and prices than most of the country. Um, so like just, I, you know, I mean, we've seen some prices come down in the past 12 months and just like, sometimes I get stuck in like that fear mentality and just pulling yourself out of that fear mentality and, you know, saying like, look, I can't control if prices go down or not. What can I control? Well, here, here are my controllables, right? I'm going to focus on that. And like whatever else happens, happens. So that's the biggest challenge in my life. And I'm still working on it is just like cutting out all the BS and the noise and the everything that's going on externally and focusing on what I can control internally and just doing the best I can with what I've got. Fantastic. So the clarity, right? And it's, we talk about that or I talk about that a lot on the podcast, right? You've got to, you've got to know your direction. And then the noise, there's so much noise, right? All the BS that's going on out there. And I call the BS, the beliefs and the stories that are going on, mm -hmm. right? And you've got to be able to control that hundred percent before you're able to continue to move forward. Cause if not, you're either going to make some, maybe not some great decisions, but then you're also maybe even be stuck in the fear of moving forward. Right. And yeah. then you're going to be possibly losing some opportunities there as well. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, one part of the podcast that I love to do is I love to try to help the folks that are possibly just getting started in their journey. Maybe they're realizing that like what we both did, right? The go to school, try to get, you mentioned a doctor, business degrees, right? Maybe that isn't exactly the best direction for me. Or maybe they've already stepped out into the real world, quote unquote, the real world. And they're realizing that that isn't all, all that it's cracked up to be as well. You had mentioned about the different jobs and, and I talk about the different jobs and things that I've had as well. Can you think of a, a bit of wisdom to share with that? I call them the younger generation, but it can be the older generation as well. But just a nugget of wisdom that you wish you would have known back, I always say in your 20s, but maybe that you've experienced and try to implement in your day-to-day -day life today. The best return on investment you'll ever get is investing in yourself, right? Um, and and so you know I don't I don't fault the university system for being what it is. Um, I just like to see it for what it is. It's a business, and they're in it to make as much money as possible. Like that's America, that's capitalism. But it, like most people don't have to go to school. Um, in fact, like we we're hiring for a pretty good paid position on our team. Um, she'll, she'll start later this week and like, I don't care if she has a degree or not. Right. What I care about is if she's going to help us grow, help us be better. And that like degree or no degree, like, and I think that there's a lot of things out there that you can do that in. Right. And so this idea that you have to go to school to be successful, it's just not true. Um, in fact, most of the most successful people I know don't have a degree. Right. They just found out what they're passionate about and they went deep on it. So they went an inch wide and a mile deep versus going a mile wide and an inch deep. And like the reality is, if you're passionate about something, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to be better than everyone else. And 
what I think, you know, at least for my kids and why I started my podcast was like, I want them to enjoy whatever they're going to do versus get a job to pay bills that they absolutely hate. And they're stuck in that rat race for 40 years because like, what a miserable way to spend the peak of your life, like 20 to 60. Well, I know guys that are 60 that are like peak physically that they've ever been. So like age is just a number if you choose. So, yeah, I mean, I know that's more than one thing, but uh, there you go. Yeah, that's gold, right? So it's that it's the changing the ideas and the beliefs that that we've been given, uh, whether they're meant to be harmful or not is up for debate. I don't think that they are right. Those people that are telling us to do these things, they're not trying to hurt us. My argument is that they just don't know that there's a different way. And if you can discover what that different way is, whether it's through a podcast like this or other content that's being produced out there in the world, you can completely change and shift the trajectory of your life and your family's life going forward. And that's the super exciting part, that if people will just know that, number one, know it first, make the decision to dive in. Like you said, if if you become passionate about uh, business, if you become passionate about real estate, um, anything. Anything is it's all out there. Uh, it's just a matter of making that decision moving forward. So I really, yeah, that was, that was gold. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So in terms of, so real estate has been a big part of your life, right? So from when did you decided to become a realtor to trying to move into figuring out not only how, but where it's like, you, you were probably given nuggets of wisdom from other folks, right? You were picking up ideas, different. Can you share with the listeners where you really started, I know, uh, and I haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I, there's another uh, podcast out there called Bigger Pockets. And I know that's probably been a big influence on your life. And they talk about within that, and it was the first time I'd heard of it, uh, but the listeners might not be aware, but it's called the Burr Method. Uh, and I won't, I'll let you maybe dive into that a little bit deeper because I know that's been impactful in your ability to acquire and, and build your real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So where I really got started in real estate was, um, I mean, we have to skip back to when I was 19 before I kind of took off for two years. Um, there was a, a guy in my parents' neighborhood and he was a full-time real estate investor. Uh, and he knew I kind of had some construction background, right? So he approached me and he's like, Hey, you're 19, you're young. I, you know, we, we had snowboarded a couple of times, like just with people in the neighborhood and he saw I could hang. And so he was like, Hey, I surf and I just bought this house in San Diego. Uh, it's a fixer upper. Would you like to go down and fix it up and learn to surf? And I was like, you mean I get to make money and learn how to surf? Like, yeah, I'm in. So, um, we went, I slept on an air mattress in one of the bedrooms as we renovated the house. Uh, and and his name is Doug. He ended up becoming one of my mentors. And he's the one that told me to rich, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, a couple of years later. Anyways, the interesting thing is when he told me to read that, he told me how much he made on the flip that we we fixed up. And I had made like 2000 bucks or something, uh, which for me, again, it was great money for a couple months. And I learned how to surf and... um. I found out he made like 50 or 60,000 bucks. And that's when I was like, holy cow, that's a lot of money. Um, You know, it was to me at at the time, at least. Um, And 
So that's that's kind of where it started. And then, you know, as I was uh, valeting, um, as I was driving around, going to school and and work, he he had sent me some other resources, right? And he's like, hey, you should check out this Bigger Pockets thing. And and at the time, it was when uh, Josh Dorkin and Brandon Turner were the hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually sent me. He was he was on like episode sixty seven or seventy two or something. Um, and he he sent it to me. He's like, hey, you should listen to this if you want to do the real estate thing more. Um, because I kind of kept in touch with him here or there. And anyway, so so that kind of just opened up the rabbit hole where I was just learning everything I could about investing in real estate after, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, um, you know, my eyes were kind of opened there. Um, and and Bigger Pockets was, was really interesting. They they covered so many different topics that really what it did is it gave me a bunch of knowledge, but then I didn't take action on anything, right? Like I bought one rental. I thought I was doing it right. And then I didn't do anything with all of that knowledge I had, except I helped other people buy real estate, right? So I could talk the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk. So when was it? 2000? Well, so from 2016 to 2019, we had just built a house we sold the first townhouse we ever bought um, and we sold our first rental property we ever bought. We took all that money and we put it down on a brand new construction house um, and moved into that. And then we spent, we made great money. We spent even better money, right? For three years. So we kind of had to, well, for two years, um, but there was some stuff going on in our marriage that like, we needed to work through that like the spending was a symptom of other stuff going on that we had to deal with that first before we could address the spending. So we tried to do it simultaneously where we dealt with the, the stuff we were going on with our, in our marriage, lack of communication about a bunch of different stuff. Um, I learned a ton, you know, um, like, Hey, it's not all about me weird right (laughs) but you know as a young like very driven person i thought it was all about me so um we kind of worked through that we found dave ramsey and you know because i was like man i don't have any money to invest how am i going to go buy a property if i don't have any money right like again we were making great money and spending even better money so which is typical for real estate agents by the way right um like there's this idea out there that well you know, people are not going to buy a house from you unless you drive a really nice car. (laughs) Right. And I happen to like cars. So I bought into that and I was like, great, I'm going to buy really nice cars. And, you know, that just led to having really nice payments that Mm -hmm. we had to make. Right. And uh, so we kind of had to work through, like we jumped on the Dave Ramsey bandwagon and paid off a ton of credit card debt. And we had like built up, a, you know, maybe it was like five or 10,000 bucks as a savings account. And we had a ton of equity in our house. So we had paid like 330 for it. And at the time they were selling for like 425. And I looked at it and I was like, man, we have an, we have a chance here. And again, we had gone through some stuff in our marriage and people around us, you know, in our neighborhood kind of knew about it. And so I, I approached Courtney and I was like, I have this crazy idea. Let's move. Hmm. 
and let's get a bigger house with an even nicer payment. <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're going to put as little down as possible. And I realize that's going to give us a big payment. But hear me out. We're going to take the rest of our equity and we're going to go buy a rental property. Okay. And that is going to cash flow enough that it's going to offset our payment difference. Okay. So uh, that was the idea. What ended up happening was a little different. So we ended up moving. Um, and again, like this is kind of when I jumped back into listening to bigger pockets and I found the whole Burr method. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this because what I was doing before wasn't working. So like, I'm going to try this. And we only had 40,000 bucks to invest. So I couldn't go and put 20% down when the median home price was 300,000 in Salt Lake. Um, so I had to find a more creative way of doing it. So what we ended up doing is we bought our house, we put 10% down there, we took the, the other equity we had, and we bought a foreclosure auction. Hmm. It was an 1800 square foot house that I thought was a four bedroom, two bathroom. Um, I bought it, well, I drove by it, liked it, and I helped other people transact at auction. Um, not a ton of people buy at auction because it's a little bit riskier, but we bought this, I paid two twenty five. Um, I got a hard money loan for the two twenty five, and then I approached the guy that got foreclosed on, and he was, you know, like, "Hey, wow, I'm so glad you bought the house. Could I rent it from you?" And I was like, "Oh, this is great. I have a built in tenant." Mm. And my buddy who uh, helped me buy it at auction, way more experienced than me, he said, "Jordy, you don't want to rent to him." I said, why not? He said he's willing to pay. He's got some cash. And he's like, he just got foreclosed on. What makes you think he's going to pay rent to you? He didn't make his mortgage payments. And I was like, you're totally right. So I worked out an agreement with him where he had like 45 days to move out. Uh, we found out that the basement was not finished. So it was only a two bedroom, one bath. Um, and I had just gotten off of the heels of flipping one house. So I thought I was, I had made it and I was like, okay, I'm going to put this same crew into this house. They're going to fix it up. We finished it. Um, and then they actually needed a place to live and they were looking for some more consistent work. So we rented it to them and, um, rented it for 1700 bucks. We refinanced, uh, our payment was 1500 bucks. So I was making 200 bucks to be a property manager. The cool thing is though, we paid 225, we were into it for 40,000 and it had appraised at 295, okay? So we had created, just like a flip, you create equity, you create value. We had created that, we just were our own buyer. We kept it, right? Which that's what Burr stands for. So you buy a distressed property, you rehab it, you rent it, then you refinance it and then you repeat it. So I was like, man, this is great. I was able to buy a rental for 40,000 bucks that normally would have cost me 60 or 70,000 had I paid retail for it, as far as like cash out of my pocket. And it cash flowed the same. And I was like, this is great. Well, it ended up getting even better a few weeks later because a wholesaler had sent me a deal that was almost identical. They were asking $225,000 for a house three blocks away, almost the same square footage. It was a four-bedroom, two-bath. I looked at it and I said, 
man, it can't have been in any worse condition than the one I just bought. So my numbers have to be better than this, right? So we end, I ended up going, taking a look at it. There was a ton of other investors there. They were all looking to flip it because people want to make a quick buck in real estate. And flipping just you know happens to be sensationalized by HGTV. So they go and do that. Well, the opportunity for me, the problem for everyone else was that they were widening the interstate and this house happened to look across the street to the big sound wall that they were putting in for the interstate. So everyone that was looking at it as a flip, they were like, I can't resell this. No one's going to pay $295,000, $300,000 with all this construction going on. Like you could hear the freeway. It sounded like you were on the freeway, right? The sound wall would help, but it was a year out from being built. So I went to the wholesaler and I was like, I will pay you $225 and negotiated with him because he gave me the whole, we've got a bunch of interested parties and is this really the best you can do? And, you know, they're just look, make, looking to make as much as possible like everyone. So I was like, look, I know my numbers. This is the best I can do. So I paid $225 for that property. I sent a handyman in for $3,000. They fixed it up. I had some hard money costs, but the the two days after I closed on it, I started my refinance. So I only had hard money for one month. We refinanced out of it. And my new loan amount was 236 because I could go 80% loan to value of 295. So that really covered my hard money interest and my refinance costs. So I was into that property for 3000 bucks. And that's when it clicked. And I was like, holy cow, I'm onto something. So from there, what we started doing is and not every deal has been that good. But if if you guys do the math that are listening, I bought one property worth 300,000 for 40,000 down. I bought a second property worth 300,000 for 3,000 down. That averages out to be 43,000 for $600,000 worth of real estate. Right? And I cash flowed another 200 bucks because the rent was about the same on that next property. Okay? So I was getting a decent return monthly um, and, and rents have gone up now. Um, I ended up selling one of those and 1031 exchanging into six more units. Um, I still have that first one and uh, my payment on it's 1300 bucks a month and it's currently rented for 2400 a month. Actually, no, 2500 $2, a month. My property manager just increased rent. <laughs> Rinse and repeat, right? Yep. That's the whole idea. Rinse and yeah. repeat. Mm -hmm. So going back, I love that and how you threw in numbers and all that too. So that was very good. That was awesome. So I appreciate you doing that. So going back then to the noise. So I can, I'm, list, I'm trying to think of myself as being the listener right now. So it's like, okay, Jordy, great. I know you can do that. That sounds great. You know, we can get all the information out there in the Hawaii world, but the world's coming apart at the seams. I mean, if you watch everybody, listen to everybody, you know, the market's going to crash. You, we, this is this just as at the time to do those kinds of things. I mean, if somebody comes and approaches you with that kind of a logic or thinking at this point, how are you kind of taking those conversations that, uh, you know, moving forward right now, as far as the market? And I mentioned, you know, every market's different, right? So Salt Lake's going to be different than I'm in Indianapolis. But the idea is that the macro part, right? The, the belief system, the ideas, the implementation is the same. So anyways, yeah. how, how would you answer something like that? Really simple. Now is the best time to buy real estate, right? Because at least in our market, we're past the peak pricing. Okay. So uh, last year in July is about when we peaked. 
Um, and, and I'll give this quick example because I gave it to some of our clients who they asked me the same thing. They're like, man, we're reading the news and it just seems like this is the worst time to buy real estate. I said, no, the worst time to buy real estate was a year ago because a year ago, this is what was happening. And, and I'll, I'll give this these two circumstances so people can compare and contrast for themselves and see why I say this. Um, a year ago, we saw people who, they would put a townhouse under contract, okay? And again, we've, we've got maybe higher prices than some places, not as high as others. But these townhouses at the time, they were selling for about 515000 uh, for a townhouse. Well, buyers couldn't qualify because rates ticked up above 2.5%, which, by the way, the 70-year average for uh, mortgages is like 7.1% or 6.9% or something. So like everyone just got so diluted that they thought the 2% mortgages were going to stick around forever. So all of a sudden they were they were saying, hey, we can afford this payment. Rates went from two to four and they're like, hey, we can't. We can't afford this. So they would cancel on their contract. The builder would then go, man, People are paying whatever they want for these townhouses, like bidding wars like crazy, which I mean, 2020, about July to 2022, about July, it was a frenzy. Like we had we had 1500 homes in our state available for sale, and we've got a population of like 2.3 million people. So tell me how that math works. It doesn't. Right. So. We saw these crazy bidding wars, and you'd have the builder who had just sold this townhouse for 520, remarket it at 550, and then you'd have these buyers come in and bid it up another 50, 60, 70,000 bucks and pay 610, 620 for this townhouse. Okay, so had you bought a year ago, that was your reality as a buyer. If you're not bidding over by 10, 15%, good luck. Okay. Well, today, those same townhouses are selling for 440. You just happen to have a six or seven percent interest rate, which your payment's the same, but your equity's not. So which would you rather buy if payments are the same, something that you're underwater by almost two hundred thousand dollars, or something that you have a higher rate that, hey, by the way, it's easier to refinance a rate than it is to refinance negative equity. Okay, so now is a way better time to buy than at least in the greater Salt Lake area than a year ago for that reason alone. So, yeah, that's, I think I'm done with my rant. No, that's great. So that's the whole idea, right, is people, folks need to make their own decisions based on they need to collect the data, right? It's data, it's information, it's wisdom, it's it's ideas, it's uh you need to understand the belief systems, right? We, we started with that with the conversation with the ideas of the beliefs that we are taught growing up may not necessarily be true. And then as you venture out into this world, we call this great uh, uh, capitalistic society that we live in, right? You, you learn other things that may or may not be true. But the point is, is that you keep collecting data points and then you are able to then make better decisions, which will allow you, yeah, you're going to make mistakes, but that's the whole point. You need to make mistakes because all that is is feedback. And then you can then keep moving 
forward. The point is, is that I think folks could be uh, sitting on their hands, maybe not making decisions to continue to move forward because of data or lack of data um, that's really helping them make better decisions in their life. And that's that's been, I, I'm seeing and hearing that as well. And I, I'll be honest with you, that's something that I try to fight uh, as far as the negativity, right? Getting sucked up into that that whirlwind for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we all have to fight it because we are we are biologically wired to see a danger, to see a threat, you know, that probably happens to be like a saber-toothed tiger and to go, okay, well, I don't want to get eaten by that saber-toothed tiger, so I need to run. We just happen to have that same thing wired in with money. And so that that's why you will see people who, when everyone is rushing in to buy and things are illogical and there's a like an exuberance about like the fear of missing out like if i don't get in now i'll miss the boat what's the wrong time to buy a house or to buy anything right like bitcoin i know people who went all in at 65 or 68,000 a coin and then it dropped to like 14,000 and then they sold and i'm like <laughs> i don't know why you sold right but it's fear-based, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, you kind of just have to go and be a little contrarian, I think, and and look at what the news, the media, people on Instagram, what, wherever you get your information from, and go, okay, you know, filter it and go, this is interesting. Why do I think that it's portrayed this way? And kind of come to your own conclusion. And what I've figured out, in my opinion, is a lot of it is is fear-based so that they can get clicks, so they can get eyeballs, so that they can pay for ads, so that they can keep their jobs, right? Like, media's been that way for years and years and years and years. And, and so you kind of have to just take a look at it and go, that's interesting, but I'm going to discount it and, you know, do what's in my best interest. 100%. Take control, right? Control of your mind. Take control of your finances. It's it's all about the control, right? And they do that, like you mentioned, through fear-based marketing, through fear-based content, through a lot of fear that it's uh, it's proven to be successful because a lot of us are are fearful to continue to move forward uh, when it when we shouldn't be for sure. Yeah. So, Jordy, this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, Hopefully you'll you'll come back on with me again. We can dive a little bit deeper in some of the details of maybe a specific deal. I mean, we didn't even get into that kind of thing. Talking, we we briefly talked about some numbers, and I appreciate you going over some of your deals that you've done in the past. But I know for a fact the listeners are going to be like, "Okay, this Jordy Clark, I need to find out more what he's talking about." Right? He's he's speaking a language that I like. I mentioned early at the very beginning that you you'd like to mentor others. You also have your own podcast that you produce content to help. Uh, spread the message as far as the ideas of financial education, uh, personal freedom uh, is what's the best place for people to learn more about you and how they can, they can connect with you. Yeah. Great question. Uh, I mean, as far as connecting with me, probably social media, as much as I hate it. Um, it's just like, it's part of the world we live in. Um, so my, my username there is Instagram at least is at Jordy Clark. 
underscore REI, like real estate investor. Um, you follow me there, send me a DM, whatever. I usually respond um, as long as you're not trying to sell me some crypto or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, my podcast is the Financially Free Investor Podcast. Um, kind of talk about some of the similar things, just different take. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. So folks, I encourage you to go out there and follow Jordy. Uh, learn from him. He and I have a similar message as far as trying to help you understand that what we've been taught up or brought up to believe, think, uh, isn't necessarily the, the truth, right? And if you're not happy with your current circumstances, you have the ability to change it with some new information, some new ideas, challenging some of those beliefs. Uh, some of those stories, some of those things that are going on in your mind, and, and hopefully the, the stories and things that we shared today will help inspire you to take some action. Uh, go out there, get the education. Uh, information is plentiful. The idea is that you need to be able to absorb it in a way that you can apply it in the real world. And I just know that with that, you can totally change the trajectory of your life, which has happened to me. And, it, and through to this conversation with Jordy, I know it's happened for him as well. So Jordy, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I look forward to uh, doing this again sometime soon. Likewise. Hey, can I just share one more thing? Please do. Okay. What you just said resonated so much with me. And if somebody's out there and let's say they're 50 years old, it is not too late. Okay. Um, and I'm going to share an example of my parents. They obviously had this different path for their life, which is fine. They were trying to pay their house off. And, you know, I talked to him a little while ago and I said, hey, you guys should really think about tapping into some equity and buying another property. And for a few years, they discounted me and they're like, no, 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 we're just going to pay it off because then we'll own it. And I said, well, look, you never really own it, right? Because if you don't pay your property taxes, the government's going to take it and auction it anyways. So when we started having inflation after COVID, and prices started going up, they had a realization that the system is, is wired against them. Mm -hmm. And the plan and the path that they had, which was invest in a 401k, pay your house off, like that no longer works. And so what we did is we were able to leverage some of their equity, which by the way, return on equity in your home is zero. Okay, so we took it out. We kept their payment the same because they were on a 15-year mortgage. We moved it to a 30-year mortgage. And I worked through the numbers with them. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You have a little bit of money. We're going to go buy a rental. You put 20% down. And you'll they, they cash flow like 500 bucks a month after making the payment on that rental. I said, take that money. And if you really want to pay the house off early, start throwing it at the principal. But now you at least have somebody else going to work for you to make their rent. You're paying that loan down. You can take the extra 500 bucks and it's going to be the same for you. Like we worked out amortization and everything. And I was like, all you have to do is buy one asset. They had some other money left over. And we have now gotten into building because my dad's a general contractor now. Right. Um, We've now gotten into, I've partnered with them a few times on building some spec homes down by they, where they live. It's a rural area. And 
the return on investment on those is really good. And he gets to do something because he's now 60, early 60s. And his body's just, you know, physically starting to show its age a little bit. But mentally, he's super sharp still. And, you know, I mean, I think this idea that, hey, when I'm 60 ta- 65, I'm going to retire and be done. Like, okay, that might work for a year or two if you really enjoy golf, right? Because that seems to be everyone's ticket. <laughs> but what are you going to do after that? You still have, you know, 40, 50 hours a week that you can be doing something. And, you know, like, I, I, I'm a firm believer that a, an object in motion stays in motion, right? Like, I know guys that are in their 90s, and they're in better shape than guys that are in their 70s. Mm-hmm. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. Right. And so like what you focus on expands. So going back to my parents, they now have this asset that's rents increasing every year. Their payment stays the same every year. They now have some cash flow and he's taking that equity and reinvesting it into some spec homes. Well, he was able to buy himself a brand new truck last year and do a um, I can't remember the section in the tax code, but he fully depreciated it. Hmm. So all of the money he made from these spec homes basically gave him a truck tax-free and no money out of his pocket because he paid cash for it, wrote it all off on his taxes, and he has a brand new truck. And for years before that, he was like, I could never afford a new truck. I could never afford a new truck. And just by thinking of things differently, they were able to buy a rental property from the equity of their house that was already doing nothing for him, invest in some spec homes, which he is actually really enjoying and it gives him purpose and drive and he's making good money doing it. And, you know, got him a new truck. And so like, sometimes we have to do things a little different to get different results than we've got. Right. And I bring them up to say, if, if they're in their early sixties and someone who's listening to this is 45, well, Man, in five years, you can change your entire financial trajectory, but you can't continue to do what you've done if you're unsatisfied with the results, right? You got to figure out something different. 100%. So that that's the financial education piece that we talk about on this podcast. I know you talk about on your podcast, you mentioned about some tax benefits and it's available to anybody who understands the rules. There's There are rules to... Uh, playing in the real estate game, there are rules to being in business. And what I mean by rules is that, like terminology, ideas, just different things that the way we are brought up to to pay down a house, the story that you just said, to pay down a house and own it and that kind of thing is, in my opinion, that's outdated information. And today, to get ahead with the inflation that we are experiencing every day, there's no other way to do it. You've got to get educated on how to do exactly that. That story is very similar to my own personal story. I took equity out of my home because before I discovered all of this, I was trying to pay down my house. I can vividly remember my dad trying to pay down, like his goal in life was to get the house paid for. That was just his mentality. So that became my mentality. I was trying to do that as well until I had this shift. And then I I actually used the HELOC which I know that may or may not be a good idea. Uh, but anyways, I, I took equity out of the house. I didn't sell it, but I used that 
those proceeds to buy rental properties. I actually was then able to, I actually liquidated um, a couple of them, paid back my HELOC. And now I own, I had, I, I took the HELOC and I bought five. I had five total, liquidated a couple, paid back the HELOC. And basically now I own what I have remaining with no money out of pocket. Rinse and repeat, right? Yeah. So folks, if, if any of that last part kind of went over your head, I get it. But at the same time, that's rewind that part. The last few minutes here that this part has been very super, super valuable because number one, that's part of my story. Him talking about his parents, that's how I was brought up. And maybe that's how you're living as well. To learn how to do these things is very possible. And that's why I encourage you to go find and learn from Jordy. Jump on his podcast. We mentioned Bigger Pockets podcast. We mentioned uh, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad. You can see in my background if you're watching the video. I'm a huge huge advocate of Robert Kiyosaki and everything he produces as far as financial education. You can reach out to me. Uh, these are the things we're going to be talking about on my podcast. So just don't be afraid. Don't let the fear keep you from taking steps towards this future that is going to be so beautiful for you for your family. Uh, it's just, it start life starts to become fun. Uh, it's challenging. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not easy, but it becomes fun because you're in control. So Jordy, once again, man, this has been super valuable. I look forward to getting you back on, man. We'll, we'll go deeper into some of these subjects. Uh, and I also appreciate your friendship too. You've taught me a ton. Uh, and I look forward to keeping that connection going in the future. Thank you. I feel the same, brother. Excellent. So folks, go out there, make it a fantastic day. Hopefully you found value in this episode. If so, uh, please share it with folks. Uh, rewind, replay, save it, share it. A uh, ton of value in this episode right here that I know that I'm going to be sharing it with as many people as I possibly can as well. So once again, go out there, make it a fantastic day and look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode. And until then, bye now. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor Jim Roden shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends. 